The following podcast contains explicit language. I'm just not comfortable with Fryman. I feel like our numbers are skyrocketing. There's no way I'm going back there. Well, what about the hiking trail near my house that we don't like that much, but it's not that crowded? Should we go there? Yes. It's not very pleasant, but at least it's a hike. Yeah, so we can wear masks. Yeah, mask up. Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Liz Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A., and with me is my high school friend and writing partner, Sarah. That's me, Sarah Fain. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. In today's episode, we're going to talk about pulling the ripcord. When is it time to quit? And how do you know? In Take a Hike, we'll discuss the beauty of an unexpected interlude. We've also got a mailroom question from somebody who wants to know how to not freeze up when she's pitching. And this week's Hollywood hack will make your socially distanced summer a lot more fun. But first, an update. Okay, so we have talked about masks, Liz, quite a bit. Yes. And how important it is to wear masks. Um, and Beth in our Facebook group recommended some masks from Bailey Blue Clothing. Um, I got some. They're fantastic. They're soft. They're Violet's favorite kids' mask. They have some masks that come with um, carbon filters, which are great. Yes, so there's they're a little extra protection. Exactly, and they're super cute. So I'm a huge fan. Thank you, Beth. Sarah Adam is constantly on the hunt for the ideal <laughs> mask. It's an obsession. <sighs> we have masks delivered like practically daily. So um, I will check these out, um, and we will link to them in the show notes for anyone else who's looking for more great masks. And report back on Adam's favorites, please. Yes, I will. <laughs> Okay, Sarah, it is time for From the Treadmill Desk of, in which we discuss what's most pressing in our work psyches. And this week, it's pulling the ripcord. That's right. We're talking about stopping your free fall and parachuting out of a bad situation. In Hollywood, there are lots of bad situations. Yes, and this is not just in Hollywood, for sure. Um, you can find bad situations in every career, every city. The question is, when do you stick it out, and when do you escape? Yes, that is the question. I mean, nobody wants to be a quitter, Right. Right. That's one of the worst things when you're young, like your parents say, "You do you want to be a quitter? Yeah. And I think we're basically taught there's sort of a nobility in suffering a shitty job or right. a shitty Sticking boss. Sticking it out. Yes. And look, first we have to acknowledge sometimes you don't have a choice. It's just right. not financially viable to leave a job. Right. Absolutely. Sometimes you just, it is what it is and you have to muscle through it. Yeah. I think also for me, it's kind of a mental thing of I've made a commitment to something. And once mm -hmm. I've made a commitment, I don't want to break the commitment. Yep. But there comes a point when it's more damaging for me to keep the commitment than it would be for me to just break the commitment and be free. Yes. And this doesn't just refer to jobs. Like we're talking about mostly jobs today, but I mean, obviously this is true for relationships, certain friendships, 
whatever, you know, your book club. I mean, anything <laughs> can be something where you need to pull the ripcord. Absolutely. Um, and this does come up, I would say, maybe a surprising amount for TV writers. You know, we've certainly dealt with this. Yes. We have never left a show mid-season, uh, except to do a pilot. We have done that yeah. before. I don't count that. No, but we've certainly wanted to. Yes, we've certainly gone in our office and shut the door and said, <laughs> like, if somebody wants us to deal with this situation, they can come find us. <laughs> but Sarah, every so often, someone asks us for advice on this. Yeah. You know, and it's all levels of people who might yeah. seek counsel on this matter of when do they leave. Right. Usually, it is because their boss is making them miserable, I would say. Yes, almost all the time. There is nothing worse than a terrible boss. I mean, it just, it can totally ruin your life. It really can. Yeah. And there's a lot of terrible bosses out there, sadly. Yes. People learn a lot of skills, like, over the course of their careers, especially in TV. No one really learns management. No one learns people mm -hmm. skills. You either sort of have them and have an awareness of other people and care about other mm -hmm. people, or you don't. There's no yeah. class for it at least on our career track. Yeah. And I mean, side note, I feel like a lot of people are uncomfortable with conflict, so they don't yes. want to have any sort of uncomfortable conversation with anyone working with them. <laughs> so that leads them to not communicate and then have things build up and then lash out and be awful. Yes. Yeah. So it's, it's a problem. Yeah. But when someone asks us what should they do in this bad situation, it, what we say varies depending on their position. Yeah. If the person is lower level, like a staff writer or a PA or a writer's assistant, it's really tough to tell them to leave because we know how hard it is to get those first jobs. Yeah. And then to leave, it's like, oh, my God, you're going backward. Right. And it's tricky. It's very tricky because we have seen situations where a staff writer, someone in a lower level position has been so unhappy mm -hmm. and had such difficulty in the job that staying actually was damaging. Yes. And not to them, like personally, their soul and their psyche, but also to their career prospects because it was such a like unpleasant situation for them that instead of getting recommendations from the people around them, people would be like, well, I don't know. Exactly. Hmm, I don't know. So if it's that kind of situation where it's actually going to be worse to stay, then we would say leave. But it's yes. really hard to gauge that, especially when you're in it. I mean, part of it is if it just destroys your self-confidence. Yes. Because being a writer, a lot of it is about just putting yourself out there. And if you're mm -hmm. in a situation that's so bad that you go home and feel like, why am I a writer? I never should have been a writer. Which, by the way, we've all felt. We've all felt that. But I mean, <laughs> if it's really... Yes, you don't want to feel it for a long time. Really bringing you down. It may be better to quit the job and just take that hit yeah. because you don't want to have lasting psychological damage. I mean, we know people who've had to go to therapy after jobs. And by the way, people have done that and then come back and totally kicked ass. Yes, kicked ass when they realized, hey, it's, it's not me. It was just yeah. the situation didn't work for me. Exactly. Some signs I think of that are if you can't sleep, 
Yeah. Right? If you're like eating all the junk food all day long, although we all do that sometimes. I mean, <laughs> or we used to. Um, and if you're drinking too much, like if you're going home and just like drinking your sorrows, you might want to really consider if you should leave the job. A lot of times it's a good idea to get a therapist during the job. And then Absolutely. the therapist can help you navigate the situation, either to improve it or to leave it. Yes. And this is also one of those things where, you know how your friends always have the answer when you're like, I don't know, should I, should I not? Very yes. often the people around you have a clarity <laughs> yes. Yes. that you may not have when you're in it. Yes. So there's also personal reasons sometimes you want yeah. to pull the ripcord. One thing that's interesting about our job, and I think a lot of more and more in the United States jobs are like this. Mm -hmm. We don't go somewhere and stay for 25 years. We go from job to job to job. That's just the nature of our career. Mm -hmm. So often it'll be six months. It'll be nine months. It'll be a year. Maybe we'd even be somewhere three years. But like... A lot of us just are very nomadic in our jobs, which yeah. can mean that they're extremely intensive while you're doing them. It can be a lot of hours, a lot of weekends, a lot of stress. And if something comes up in your life during that time, like, you know, you have a health issue, you lose someone you love, your kid is having an issue at school, it can be really hard to handle that on top of the job. Yes, we have a friend who was recently in this kind of situation, and she just felt like the job, on top of everything else that was going on, was just too much. And it was, to us, it was so clear, like, yes, absolutely pull the ripcord, off you go, take care of yourself, you know. Mm -hmm. But part of why it was so hard for her is that she really felt bad leaving other people. She felt like yes. she was leaving the people she worked with in the lurch. Yes. And I just think in situations like that, you have to take care of yourself. Yeah. And then when she actually um, did pull the ripcord and let people know, they were very understanding because, you know, you kind of have to trust that people you know, want what's best for you. And I don't think, I think everyone understood what she was dealing with. And the fact is by leaving that job, she's going to be in better shape mentally when she takes on her next job and she'll do a better job. I have no doubt there because she took the time she needed to. Yes, absolutely. And we were very much in favor of the ripcord pulling. And now that it's done, I think she is so relieved. Yes. So and relieved. The other thing is, if you were good at the job that you were doing, which, I mean, this person is extremely good at her job, um, as hopefully many of us are, then the same person that you quit on very well may hire you again. I mean, people understand sometimes you just have to leave. Yes. So we want to hear from you. Have you ever had to pull the ripcord? Was it the right decision or did you ultimately regret it? Let us know. Email us or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Coming up, we talk about unexpected interludes. But first, this break. Liz, there is nothing I love more than having a delicious meal that I didn't have to cook, which is why I have been getting no prep, no mess meals from Factor. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like calorie smart, protein plus, and keto. Factor's 
fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Last night, I had blackened salmon with broccoli and with cauliflower rice. It was so delicious. It was the perfect dinner. Head to factormeals.com slash HIH50 and use code HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code HIH50 at factormeals.com slash HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. All right, it's time for our Take a Hike segment, where we talk about physical, mental, and spiritual health. And today it's mental health. We're talking about the beauty of the unexpected interlude. Now, Liz, this came up because you recently found a scrap of paper with just unexpected interlude written on it. (laughs) Yes, I had written that down on a scrap of paper months ago, and I was trying to clean my desk, and I came upon it, and I said, why did I write down unexpected (laughs) interlude? And then I remembered I had gone to a charity luncheon um, with some women, and afterward, we were downtown in LA, and afterward, um, I was walking with a couple of them, and someone said, hey, should we go get a drink at this really cool downtown hotel lobby bar? And it was about maybe three in the afternoon, not when you normally go out for a drink. But we all said, let's do it. And so the three of us went to this really glamorous bar and Uh had a drink and a wonderful conversation. And it was the most wonderful, unexpected interlude. That's just what it felt like to me, this found bit of time um, and this experience I wasn't expecting to have that was just very uplifting and life-affirming. And so I thought, I wrote down, obviously, unexpected interlude because it was something I thought we should talk about on this podcast. Well, and it's so just in the face of sort of being locked down and mask wearing and hand sanitizing and washing and all. It even sounds just like even more amazing. (laughs) Doesn't it? It sounds like a dream. I know. (laughs) It really sounds like a fantasy. It does. But what I love about the notion of the unexpected interlude is that it can be kind of big or small or anywhere in between. That's just like a small unexpected thing that happened that was lovely. And it made me think about one time when I was in Norway after college, I just sort of met someone on a train and we then like met a couple Norwegian guys, nothing romantic. It was all very like platonic. And we all like went on like a boat trip and they invited us to their family's house. Like the the kind of thing that would only happen like in the 90s. Yeah. And that if Violet ever did it, I'd be like, don't even think about it. (laughs) Um, But it was so delightful. It was just so freeing and wonderful and a very unexpected interlude. Yeah, and now you have an amazing memory of your unexpected interlude in Norway. Now, Sarah, we know some people are framing this pandemic time as a season of sacrifice, which it absolutely is. Yeah. But we thought, what if we reframe it as an unexpected interlude? Yes. Can we find a more positive view? (laughs) Yes. And speaking of you can have an unexpected interlude in a small way or a big way, you are embracing the (laughs) unexpected interlude in a major way. Tell everyone what you decided to do. 
I have decided to move to our house in Minnesota for several months. We're going at the beginning of August, and we're going to stay through the holidays and see the seasons. And Violet's school has an amazing remote learning program, so she'll be doing that. And we're just going to take this as an unexpected interlude in the woods. Yeah, and in other circumstances, you would never be able to do this because you would have to be going to meetings, going to a job. But now all of our meetings are on Zoom or phone calls. And you and I aren't even working together. Like we've only worked together twice in the last, what, four or five months? I don't even know. Yeah, we sat at your fire pit across the fire pit from each other, but only twice. Yeah, so there is absolutely nothing to stop you from doing this. Yeah. And what it it is fascinating to me because this is the season, like it's pitch season. If you're working on a show, you're in the room, you know, 800 hours a week. This is the time when I always want to go, but I never can. Right. So it's like, all right, I can go. I can totally embrace this experience and still do everything else because it's all happening virtually anyway. And I'm going to bring my treadmill desk. That is key. (laughs) It really is. So you're going to have this hopefully wonderful, unexpected interlude in Minnesota, which is something, you know, that you'll probably cherish forever. Yes, absolutely. And Violet's old enough to remember it. It'll be really cool. Um, But again, these unexpected interludes, they can be big or they can be small. I keep thinking also of um, Joy Blake, who's a TV writer that we know. Her mantra is look up. Just A looking up unexpected interlude Mm. can be lovely and Mm -hmm. necessary right now. Um, And I'm also, by the way, embracing your pandemic mantra, which is, if not now, when? Yes. Well, and that certainly applies to your time in Minnesota. I mean, you will likely never have another bit of time until you potentially retire when you can go for this amount of time to Minnesota. So I think it's great, and I can't wait to hear about it. I'll be talking about it a lot. Yes, we'll all hear about it. <laughs> yes, and all complaining. Of you out there will hear about it as well. And hopefully yes. it will bring on a lot of insights that you can yes. share on this podcast. Yes, and I'm sure I'll be complaining about the snow as well. Yes. <laughs> okay, it's time for our mailroom segment. We got an email from a listener that we painfully identify with. Indeed. Emily wrote, Hi, Sarah and Liz. I'm newly 21 years old and currently studying screenwriting. I hate speaking in front of people. And in my pitch class, I froze up, sped through all the information and left important details out. I totally ruined my pitch. How did your first pitch go? Does having a partner help? Any advice on how to combat nerves? Okay. Well, Emily, (laughs) we've all been there. Most of us, anyway. Yes. After our first network pitch, you will remember, Sarah, it was um, for Women's Murder Club. Just so you know how much we understand how traumatizing this can be. Yes. We pitched the network president. And afterward, we um, asked our agent, what did they say? What did what did he say? <laughs> and uh, Matt said, uh, he said he seemed nervous. <laughs> and we were mortified. Oh, it was horrible. It did sell, and it did get made, and it did get on the air. So that nervousness didn't stop it from going forward. But when I look back on how we must have appeared to him, I mean, we must have seemed literally like shaking puppies. 
I'm sure we were shaking, first of well, all. Yes. That yes. Yes. And we had the youth of puppies. Yes. We <laughs> <did>. <laughs> well, just I would say don't let it get to you too much because this is the whole purpose of being in a pitch class. Right. Like that was our first actual pitch to a network president. Yeah. This isn't your first pitch. This is just a pitch class. You are there yes. to kind of learn these skills and practice. So just know you're you're getting the experience from it that you're supposed to be getting. Yeah. And the more you do it, the the more the fear will go away. Um, which, for instance, you know, I did the um, Happier with Gretchen Rubin tour with Gretchen. And I have a lot of fear of public speaking, which I've talked about on this podcast. But what I found was just doing it a lot, the, the fear went away. So, Emily, just keep doing it. Don't try to avoid doing the pitches because you don't want to freeze up and, you know, feel embarrassed. Just push through. Yeah. I mean, the first thing is it's okay to have notes. A lot of people feel like they have to memorize their full pitch, which is a lot of information, like way too much, I think, information to memorize. We always have notes. We write everything out. We always say we're not going to so we can have a more like conversational (laughs) pitch. But in fact, it's fine. Write it out Read it. Practice it a bunch of times so you can read it naturally and look up and have eye contact. But it's okay to have that piece of paper there or now it's iPad screens just to give you comfort. It really helps. Yes. And um, I have mentioned this um, before, but Emily, you may not have heard me. Beta blockers. If you are someone who shakes or your voice shakes, um, which is what happens to me, beta blockers can really help. And beta blockers need to be prescribed by a doctor. They do not mess with your brain in any way. All they do is block adrenaline, which keeps your um, hands and voice from shaking. So I would think about that because I find it very helpful. And then Emily asked if having a partner helps. Mm. I think it does because, one, we get to practice with each other Mm -hmm. a lot. And also, you know, if you're in your section and you're feeling anxious, it's going to be over pretty soon and the other person is going to be up. So you can, like, take a moment to breathe. Yes, and get a drink if you need a drink. and But that's not a reason to get a partner. No, it's not. Absolutely (laughs) You know what I mean? It's not a big enough help that you should be like, I need a partner. No, no, definitely not. (laughs) but emily just you're 21 you're in school give yourself a break you're doing great just keep at it and before you know it you'll be like oh pitching is one of my strengths i'm such a great pitcher yes Uh, keep us posted indeed okay so next up we have a byo hollywood hack but first this break selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% 
15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all right liz it's time for this week's hollywood hack pretend it's the 70s and (laughs) buy yourself a good lawn chair now we know if you're a sports mom or dad This is not for you. We know you already have a good lawn chair. But for everyone else, get yourself a lawn chair. Yeah, it seems like socializing um, this summer is largely going to be sitting as far apart away as you can from (laughs) other people in somebody's yard or in a parking lot or wherever. At least that's what the socializing should be. Yes. PSA. And it's going to be BYOC, bring your own chair. And I don't have a lawn chair, Sarah. That's just not something I have. So I'm going to be getting one. I've been perusing uh, the internet looking for the perfect lawn chair. Uh And there are things we thought that are good to consider when you are looking for a great lawn chair. Yes. Well, I have one because when I took Violet on our first camping trip... I needed one to like sit by the fire and Mm. I have a folding table and a folding chair. Also recommend a folding table, by the way, a small one. But a key thing, because mine is a bit heavy. Mm -hmm. So really pay attention to how much it weighs and if it's something you're going to want to lug around. And does it have like a bag that you can stick it in and a strap to carry over your shoulder? Or is there a strap attached to it that you can put over your shoulder? And is there a place for your drink? We noticed in um, looking up these chairs that some of them have either a spot for your drink or a little side table that you can pop up. And that seems like a very useful thing to have so you're not like setting your drink in the grass. Yes. I wish that I'd gotten one with a little table. So learn from Sarah's mistake. (laughs) Get a little table. Yes. And remember to wear a mask if you're not at least six feet apart. Once again, that's our mask PSA. (laughs) (laughs) And that is it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. We'd love to hear from you. Email us or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and please subscribe if you haven't already. Thank you to our executive producer, the amazing Chuck Reed, who is the king of remote recording. Thanks to everyone at Sancola Sound. You can follow them on Instagram at Sancola Sound. Thanks to everyone at Cadence 13. And as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Check out the other Onward Project podcasts, Happier with Gretchen Rubin, Side Hustle School, and Do the Thing from Whole 30's Melissa Urban. And check out the newest Onward Project podcast, Everything Happens with Kate Bowler. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at Liz Craft and Sarah is at S Fame. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join the conversation. Until next week, I'm Sarah Fain. And I'm Liz Craft. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it.
Yeah, we're taking our dogs and our guinea pigs. Wow, Sarah. Yeah. That's incredible. It's on. <laughs> I'll be coming in from shoveling snow. And we'll be recording, and I'll be like, ooh, I'm so cold. We'll have to have uh, Minnesota hacks. Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) From the Onward Project.